So, uh, Ice, how you doing? Uh, you got something new for the show today? The kids are needing something new uh, here at the club. Yo, 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 check this funky fresh rhythm. Whoa, 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 whoa. We are behind closed doors. You don't need to talk like a mook. Well, in that case, sir, let me have you feast your ears upon this idea. So I was singing a little ditty to myself in the shower today, and it went uh-huh. a little something like this. I started saying, this is what I said. Listen up. Ninja, ninja, rap, ninja, ninja, rap, ninja, ninja, rap, go, go, Whoa, go, whoa, whoa, go. whoa, whoa, whoa. I like where this is going. Um, But it goes on. Listen. Go, ninja, go, ninja, go. Go, ninja, go, ninja, go. Go, ninja, go, ninja, go, 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 go. What comes out? What's this all about? Well, you see, it's about four turtles, the ninjas, teenagers, and mutated. So I thought uh, maybe we could work that into the show. Only problem is, uh, it really only works if the Ninja Turtles actually crash the show and come on stage with me, which, what are the chances of that happening, am I right? Uh, Hold on right there. Let me make a call. Shreds! Baby! How you doing? Look, I need a favor. In a world where the human race has nearly unlimited access to all forms of media... Mankind faces its greatest enemy. I've come for vengeance. A looming threat. Can you look at that? What is that? A paralyzing choice. You have eight choices. Choose incorrectly, and I cannot be held responsible for your suffering. Is the next movie in my queue good? Or bad. Hey, do you guys want to watch Geely? A war that threatens our very existence. We have come to take over your world. And it will be fought over. Cows. Uh, one podcast dares to make sense of it all. So you don't have to. This is the Sacred Cows Podcast. And now welcome your hosts. Hello, I'm Pete. Hi, I'm Mike. And special guest... Hiroshi. Thanks, Thanks, disembodied disembodied voice guy. guy. Hey, uh, disembodied voice guy, I noticed on the Sacred Cows Twitter it's your birthday. I'm so sorry you have to work on this, but this has got to be the worst birthday ever for you, right? No, the worst birthday ever would be that one time in Pompeii. No, we can't talk about that. Uh, that one time in World War II. No, we shouldn't talk about that. I'll get back to you. Welcome to the Sacred Cows podcast. And we're here to talk about the 1991 film, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Yes, this was a fast follower to the first very successful Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, it came out at the height of Turtle Mania and is a direct result of that Turtle Mania as well. And here to lend his expertise once again, we've got Hiroshi of the Cthulhu and Friends podcast. How's it going, Hiroshi? Really good. So glad to be back here with you guys. New system. Everything's going to be smoother. It's going to be awesome. And you know me after the last episode. I will talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles till I am blue in the face. 
Woohoo! Heck yeah. Thanks for coming back. You're in good company, and I think we're going to have a great time. Yeah. Those of you who are maybe joining us for the first time, what are you doing? Go back, at least listen to the previous least, episode, and start yeah, with right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1. You're going to start with a sequel? Really? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Time to rethink those life choices, people. No kidding. Okay. <laughs> it's like the time I watched Austin Powers 2 first. Sheesh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> okay, well... uh uh, Peter's off the podcast. Hiroshi, the spot opened up. <laughs> Can I guest star sometime? No. Oh. Uh, okay, so um, uh, what we're going to do here is uh, first we're just going to talk about the you know basic makings of the movie, any any interesting things about that, and you know history it has, and then uh, after that we're going to have a deep spoiler session and talk about different things that we liked and didn't like, you know, the plot and all that. That's our format. And then finally, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about uh, the decision, whether the movie is sacred or not. Let's just get right into the introduction of the movie. Peter Hiroshi, did one of you want to talk about why this movie got made? Uh, you know, I think I can take that. Um, this movie got made because the first one made some money. And then they saw the potential to make some more money. Couldn't have said it better myself. That is the reason the movie was made. The kids uh, kids really ate that first movie up, and this is more of uh, of that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this movie was definitely aimed directly at those children who were eating the first movie up, I have to say. Yeah, the, the second movie, they, they said... In when they were talking about the production of the movie, that they were going for more of a younger feel, younger, mm-hmm. less dark feel, which the first movie, obviously, um, you know, people really liked the whole darkness that were into the original comics. I mean, it's almost a beat for beat of the first uh, issue. Right, but as a kid, uh, I sometimes remember feeling that those parts of the first movie were tedious or boring when nobody was telling a joke or having a goofy fight scene or that that kind of thing. So this movie really brings that action to the forefront. Absolutely. Throughout, you definitely just feel... Uh, also, oddly enough, a more 90s feel than you do in the first one. The first was more of that transitional era. This one was definitely more established, rooted in the 90s. So all that 90s uh, pop culture, humor, everything that you get for kids. It seems like they were focused a little bit more on that. I agree, definitely. Um, the one thing I would like to note with this one is there was some change in casting. That's um, right. As well as change of uh, the well, one person behind the scenes. The first thing you see in the movie, and we're not spoiling the movie now, but I'm just going to say it because it doesn't really have to do with the plot of the movie, is that in the time between 90 and 91, Jim Henson died. Yes, that's right. I remember that happening. It's just, it's hard to believe it was already 25 years ago. But. Right, and uh, so the, the whole thing um, was dedicated, this movie was dedicated in the memory of Jim Henson. It was the first uh, thing that Henson Productions did after he passed away. Right, right. Otherwise, um, the, there were some, some cast changes. You want to cover that? Yeah, well, the most noticeable, I think, cast change was that you've got a new April O'Neil this time around. Uh, uh, not Judith Hogue anymore. Now it's, she was played by Paige Turco. And I don't know what you guys thought about Paige, but I don't think she brought the same energy, you know, gusto to the role that, uh, that Judith Hogue originally had what do you think I mean for me really she just the only thing that character was throughout the entire movie when she was used which was fairly little was just neurotic yeah yeah (laughs) like a little bit 
over i mean understandably you get people in your house tearing it up and you know making a mess i can understand getting a little bit more anxious but it was such a complete character shift for april o'neill not just in who was playing it but in all aspects it was it was definitely jarring right uh more of a a, a plot tool really i mean she was there to get information to the to the turtles which is actually a trope you know getting Mm -hmm. the female getting uh information to the heroes of the movie at least she didn't get kidnapped and need to be rescued she mm, kind of right. got kidnapped, but they let her go because she was the information carrier, essentially. I think the most noticeable uh, characterization of her her personality shift comes when she's talking to the chief of police of New York, who she took every opportunity to bust his balls in the first movie and really flustered him all the time. Whereas this time around, he's talking down to her. He's busting her balls essentially and she just lays down and takes it and you know right kind of bumbles well guys let's keep some of this for the the spoiler territory here okay okay i just i just wanted to illustrate this is not the same (laughs) april o'neill no and obviously it's got you two flustered Uh, (laughs) i'll i'll save my comments on it for later um some other interesting things is that donatello was different um had two different changes because as, as we talked about in the last movie the turtles are both uh, there's human beings inside the costumes, um, uh, martial artists that knew, really you know know what they're doing. They're stuntmen and they're awesome. Um, and there's also somebody controlling uh, the the head. And then there's the voice actor. So there's really three three people make the performances of all of the Ninja Turtles. And in this movie, we have two changes on one Ninja Turtle. Uh, we've got a new voice actor for Donatello because Corey Feldman wasn't around nope. for this one. He was too important to do the sequel, I guess. Yeah, and uh, then we also have a new person inside Donatello's suit doing all of the martial arts action because the new character of Kino was introduced. Ernie Reyes Jr. was actually in the suit for a lot of the stunt work for Donatello in the first film. And while you will be talking more about April later, I will be talking more about the Kino character later because I have a lot to say about the new kid. And I think we all are going to talk about Donatello quite a bit more later, too. Oh, certainly. We'll talk about everybody. Another very important, and I'm sure you all noticed this right away, cast difference is no Casey Jones. He's gone. They do not mention a single word about Casey Jones in this movie. As if he didn't exist. Yeah, with this movie... It felt so different because he had so many other people randomly just not addressed or completely changed. And really, I'm trying to think, there's only a few people who visibly or audibly stuck around between the first and the second movie. Yeah, I mean, the other three turtles, really. Splinter. Splinter. Splinter's got the same look and sound. Still Kevin Clash. Mm Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah, it kind of feels like the direct-to-video sequel where none of the original people on the project bothered to reprise their roles. Oh, Mm -hmm. man, you... Oh, that's something that almost should have been saved for the very end because that is a perfect description of this movie. Well, we'll uh, we'll get there. I think, does anybody else have anything they want to talk about the making of the movie? I mean, I didn't see anything with uh, the making. Otherwise, it was just as simple as, as you said. Lots of money in, involved. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This was a Golden Harvest New Line Cinema joint venture, just like the last one. And uh, I was surprised to see in the end credits that it part of it was filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina, which 
Mike tells me there's a new line soundstage there, so that explains it. Okay, so let's talk about the history that each of us has with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Hiroshi, let's go start with you. So, uh, as I said, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, one of my favorite franchises of all time, so I definitely had this movie in my collection. To be fair, though, I always remembered the first one more. And I definitely had a lot of fun with the second. There's so many truly memorable moments throughout all of it. In my mind, coming back to this, uh, I, I, I couldn't quite remember all of the beats, all of the moments. So I think from my experience, I would have to say that even though I had it as a kid, was obsessed with them, I didn't necessarily have the same fandom that I did for the first one. All right. Good answer. Pete? Well, um, obviously, I was just as wrapped up in Turtle Mania as any third grade boy. So when this movie hit the shelves, I was extremely excited. You know, um, I seem to remember, I remember a lot about this movie. Watching it was uh, a trip down memory lane for sure. I loved Ninja Turtles 1. And when I was nine or whatever, when Turtles 2 came out, I thought it was just like they had perfected the formula. You know, it, it's funny, it's colorful, it's action packed, it's quotable. And, uh, you know, new toys would be available soon, mm -hmm. certainly. So I thought it was just all upsides. Uh, and that's my history, yeah. Yeah, I didn't remember about the new toys and things. I, I, I did notice that when we were researching the movie that they did have toys specifically for this one, more so than the first one. But I also just remember this as the second movie, and when I... Now, I had already worn out a copy of TMNT 1 by the time this came out, and then I got this one too, and then I remember I would always watch them in order, and mm. I always thought Super Shredder was the coolest. That's the memory mm -hmm. I bring to this one. Sure, sure. But, uh, all right, well... Let's go around and talk about our most recent viewing experience. So, uh, again, I, I watched this about a week ago uh, because my schedule's kind of been all over the place. But sat down and I, I just remembered a couple of the beats, like I said before. So I'm like, all right, I, I know I've got this to look forward to. Let's see what happens. And just curled up in my bed, put it on my laptop, started watching, had... Uh, nice bottle of coke sitting right there and just kind of relax going in with trying to keep as little baggage from the past as possible going in trying to watch this movie good deal good deal well uh my journey i guess with this movie was really something i it started much like my last viewing had my pizza and my soda all ready to go pop in the dvd and it won't read. It doesn't recognize it as a disc. I, I don't. I think oh. I forgot to complain about this last time, but it wouldn't recognize the first movie either. I eventually mm. got it to work on a different DVD player, but with this one, I put it into three separate DVD players and drives, and none of them would read. And so I figured I was pretty much sunk at that point. I, I didn't know what to do. So, of course, I turned to YouTube and just searched, hey, who knows, maybe I can watch the full movie on YouTube. Not before texting me and whining about it. Mike. I whined very much to Mike, <laughs> and he, he stopped responding, so I had to get on with it. But I ended up finding a uh, Arabic subtitled uh, version of the full-length movie on YouTube, and so I said, what the hell, I'm going to watch this. The picture was fairly muddy, so I may have missed some visual details in the movie, but hey, at least now I know how to spell cowabunga in Arabic. Now, I, I think we have to jump in and say, first and foremost, probably should delete my mention of Coke, because there's sponsorship money that we're just leaving on the table. And oh, also... Yeah. Uh, 
Sacred Cows, I think I can safely say this, does not support piracy. We do encourage that you actually pay for your viewings of whatever yes. you go and see. That being said, Pete did everything he could to watch his legally purchased copy. I rented the movie for crying out loud. Yes, in 2015. It should have worked. Yes. So, hey, I my my options were exhausted to me. Well, um, I, I bought my movie uh, on Blu-ray again, like I said before, so I got the four-pack. I'm so happy I did that because every time that somebody has a, a problem, I just go, oh, I prepared. You yeah, know? <laughs> well, it was 10 bucks, man, four movies. I, I did have a screaming toddler on my hands, yeah, I know. so heading to Target was uh, not <laughs> in the cards for me. Oh, yeah, my, my viewing, um, I actually didn't get to it until this morning, uh, sort of by design, Um because I just wanted it to be as fresh in my head as possible uh, before we watched it again. And I knew that this morning I would have uh, nothing going on. Uh, the only interruption that I had was we had a neighbor stop over in the middle of the movie. And, you know, it didn't really ruin the rhythm or anything. So um, I think it was pretty good. I watched it with a bowl of life cereal like I was a 10-year-old boy. And it was great as far as the that experience. Although the life cereal didn't last nearly long enough. Mm. Hardly Probably got ever soggy does. fairly quickly too, didn't it? Yeah, pretty soggy, very soggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with that, we've got all of our our uh, baggage and our viewing experiences out of the way. Let's go right to the spoilers. So now we're going to spoil the heck out of the movie. So this is the time where we always warn you: if you haven't watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two yet, go watch it in whatever way that you have to watch it. Legally speaking. Yes. <laughs> Exhaust all of your options before turning to the dark side. The dark side. Yes, indeed. That said, now let's talk about the spoilers. So, Pete, you did a great job last time on the elevator pitch. What is the basic plot of this movie? Okay, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. The Turtles have recently defeated the Shredder, and with no arch-nemesis to fight, they're just kind of bored, spending their time breaking up petty theft rings. But lo and behold, the Shredder actually survived his garbage truck ordeal. His new plan, his evil plan, is revenge. Not rebuild the Foot Clan. He's got no real plan at all, really, but he's going to get his revenge on the Turtles. Now, serendipitously, he learns about the mutagenic ooze that the Turtles were created with in the first place. So that's his new plan. He's going to create an army of mutated animals to basically destroy the Turtles. And, uh, you know, the plan has some setbacks. But um, the Turtles decide that they are going to infiltrate the Foot Clan organization when the Shredder does, in fact, decide he's going to rebuild the Foot and that's when they learn, A, that he's alive, and B, that he's got two super monster creatures working for him, Toka and Razar. And the turtles end up getting into a series of fights with these creatures, which eventually ends up with them crashing a uh, 90s club uh, and kicking the foot's butt to the vocal stylings of Rob Van Winkle and the Shredder kills himself again, and the movie's over. Rob Van Winkle? Is that Vanilla Ice's that real name? That is Vanilla Ice's real name. Holy shit. I was not aware of that. Let's just talk about uh, whatever random things take us. Um, so I'm just going to start. Uh, this movie was a huge departure 
as far as I could tell, in the way that it characterized the Turtles, April, the city, everybody but pretty much the police chief and the Shredder, well, the Shredder too. The Shredder was So the police chief was the same. He was the anchor that held the two movies together. So was uh, Shredder's right-hand man. Tatsu. Tatsu. Does it feel like there was a bit of a time discrepancy at the beginning of this movie? Because the Turtles feel, it feels like it's been weeks, maybe months since they defeated the Shredder. But then when we catch up with Master Tatsu and the foot, it kind of feels like the events just happened. Like an hour ago or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. That or Tatsu's like daily ritual is to be pissed off that the Shredder's been killed and smash a table or something like that. Like he just does this every evening at 6 p.m. Beat up his minions, which is something I carried over from the first. Right. Yeah. I feel like in this one, the Foot Clan is decidedly less threatening. Absolutely. Oh, are. yeah. No, no question about it. I mean... I'm not sure if they lost all of their top guys, but you would think it would just be the teenage brutes that they would have lost after the first one. But it seems like all the top people who were you know, capable of fighting, albeit 10 to 1, but fighting against the Turtles, are just gone. As Raphael points out, they're all in jail now, but... It doesn't just seem like they're, you know, they're down for the count and licking their wounds type week. It seems like their personalities are actually just like, now they're the villains in a kid's movie. Right. So they, mm-hmm. they are really seriously not threatening even when they have, you know, they're holding the power. A bad kid's movie. Let's put let's put it be clear. I mean, Snow White still had a threatening villain. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> I th- let's, let's not say bad. Let's say safe. Because, I mean, I've seen... I've seen good movies with terrible villains. I've seen bad movies with, you know, great villains. Uh, but definitely, you're right. It did have that feeling of being safe for a younger audience. They're mm-hmm. playing it very safe. Now, I've already mentioned that Shredder is still alive, which is uh, pretty impressive considering... Bullshit! The, yeah, considering <laughs> he got smashed by a hydraulic press. Uh, to their credit, he did come out with the same uniform, all twisted up metal-wise and stuff like that. But for some reason, he's not dead. Even he is not nearly the threatening villain that he was before. In fact, they're pretty much playing him up for laughs because he's not the main threat in this film. Uh, He does become the main threat for a good five minutes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And he is orchestrating everything, but... He's the behind the scenes man that's that's making the pseudo main threat go yes but it's it's hardly due to his own efforts at all i mean he just kind of the plot just kind of falls into his lap essentially you know he vows revenge but he has no plan for achieving that whatsoever especially since he declares he's not rebuilding his foot clan which he then does anyway later but you know (laughs) it's 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 like uh i don't know he just doesn't seem like he's got it together and is a competent bad guy which thematically kind of works, considering he's like, well, I just nearly escaped death and I'm angry. But I'm, I'm not sure it's the most compelling decision you could make for a villain character. He's not the only one that got the toned down treatment. The turtles themselves, like, barely use their weapons in this movie. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, you can count, I guess some um, people have counted, like Raphael and Donatello, or Raphael and um, Leonardo only take out their their weapons like twice in the movie it's true Uh, often they leave them in their sheaths and fight with uh, the very first scene has them busting up a petty theft ring in a toy store they're fighting with 
yo-yos and uh, uh, little oh, Nerf God, bats and things like that. Sausage links. Yeah, yeah. It was going throughout a mall and finding out, okay, what can we do in a toy store? What can we do in a kid's store? What can we do in the right. food court? It's right. very, very Three Stooges meets Jackie Chan. What food court has sausage links that you can wield around like nunchucks? I've never seen that in my life. It's just moving at the speed of plot. Oh, yeah, it is. And, and the jokes and the quips and things. Um, I mean, there were some some moments in that fight, you know, like, obviously, these are just generic robber thugs, and the t- they're no threat to the turtles whatsoever, so the turtles are just playing with them. Right, this yeah. is what the turtles are doing because they're bored in the power vacuum that was left by the Shredder. Mm-hmm. At one point, you had the Weeble Wobble joke. At one point, you had, yeah, the Yo-Yo tricks. Everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was all... And again... Going for that kid audience, I, I remember enjoying that as a kid, seeing, like, Michelangelo just standing there, just as a statue, and I'm like, wait a second, I thought the Turtles were secret. Did they release, like, stand-up Weeble Wobble toys? Yeah, I know. In this I don't universe? think so. Well, but then he comes in and knocks the guy. I think something that this scene betrays is that the Turtles have become a little bit known among the criminal element of the city. When the Turtles show up on the scene, the bad guys are like, holy crap, we got to get out of here, and they start running into each other trying to get away. I mean, they're not going to stay and fight. They, well, I think, they I think know who they are. another purpose of this, I mean, if we're trying to go movie, um, and one of the themes of this movie um, is that the turtles are being lazy, mm-hmm. you know, and Splinter's, mm-hmm. like, riding them, you know, all the time. Basically, you guys are, are being sloppy. Were you seen? Uh, of course you were seen, you know? Yeah. Well, there's no avoiding getting seen in the way they handled that battle. They didn't even try and take the lights out, whereas that's a major thing throughout all of the first movie was just leaving that sigh on the ground was was a risky thing for them to do. Now they're just charging, and they're like, Hey, kid, go in this trash can. We got this. We'll run around this mall with all these security cameras and all these robbers. No one will believe them because we're turtles awesome. That's, that's the other different characterization. It was so, so different than the first one because the first one, yeah, the, the Raphael with the sigh was a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. He beat himself up for it. The other turtles kind of gave him a little bit of a break, but... Um, that's because they were learning they're learning yet you know they're not masters but yeah splinter is like definitely deserves to ride them in this movie yeah in this movie he's still concerned about stealth that kind of thing but the turtles absolutely are not at all then you start to see i mean with the the types of humor they were kind of going they were trying to do the lighter version of the fight that happened in uh april's father's antique store in the first movie that's kind of where i got out of the mall I mean, in the first movie, of course, there was fire and axes and, you know, actual weapons and actual, you know, foot ca- foot clan Actual threat. danger. Yeah. Not just people getting up to contemplate their life of crime with a few lumps on their heads afterwards. Right. Essentially. Yeah. The, the stakes were definitely higher in the first movie. This movie played up fight scenes for laughs. And I think the reason, part of the reason for that is just society at this time, you know, uh, Parents were very concerned about their kids being overexposed to violence, especially by the Ninja Turtles. I remember this being something discussed on Oprah, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were just trying to tone it down in order to, you know, basically get parents to allow their kids to see this movie, I think. And apparently the first movie was heavily censored in uh, in Germany and some other countries as well. Like, because you can't use Nunchaku, you couldn't use um, okay. a bow staff and stuff like that. Some of those were illegal weapons. Um, so... They had to, uh, 
I don't know, hide that in the first movie or reshoot some scenes just for the international version. I was going to say, what did they do, blur out their hands? I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> Sausages was clearly the, the like, we still want to have at least one scene of some chucking, so right. we can do Sausages in Germany. He's not going to take offense to that. Well, and not to say there weren't lighthearted moments in the first. I mean, absolutely, we had talked about the usage of the symbols in the uh, shop, or in the fight in the antique shop. You know, uh, April O'Neil holding a two by four and hitting someone from the top of the yeah. sewer. You know, like there were definitely lighthearted moments there. It's just this was the prime focus now. This is yeah. the way they wanted to go with it. And, you know, that was the decision from the get go. Right. You're right. The, the In the first movie, those were levity in the seriousness. And this now it's switched. But we don't want to retcon our understanding of the first movie to being that it was a completely serious action film. We get that oh, no, there, no. there was some, mm-hmm. you know, appeal for audiences of all ages whereas the yeah. appeal in this film was for audiences of a certain age let's talk about kino the the new sidekick that obviously uh they meet in that first scene uh what did you guys think of kino i'm not sure you can hear me sighing but i was sighing i've, <laughs> I've got one thing to say about kino what a dick this yep. kid is a complete douchebag in from the moment we see him he's um he, the first th- interaction he has with another character is basically he's fat shaming a bunch of normally proportioned oh, uh, yep. young ladies on the street because they rebuked his unasked for pickup line. Right. Uh, and it just goes from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was illustrative. Another scene I hated with him was uh, uh, he brings the pizza that April didn't order to her apartment. For what reason? I don't know. Why would he think that there are turtles hiding there? But anyway, he does that. He just barges in and uh, insults April's nunchucking skills oh, yeah. in her own house. Come on. And then when he sees a turtle foot sticking out from hiding, he doesn't just say, oh, I see a turtle back there. He stomps on it as hard as he can. And this is a kid that we're supposed to like, like, I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and, and here's the thing. They definitely went younger than Casey Jones for this guy. But am I supposed to believe he's a kid? A 16-year-old, let's even say, in New York working as a pizza delivery guy on a moped. A suspension of disbelief is required. Yeah. You know, you know what I think about this character? Obviously, they brought the age down so that he would be more relatable to kids, I guess, although his douchebaggery didn't really make him all that relatable. But he's less, he's kind of Casey Jones' replacement. Yes. A jerk with mm-hmm. a heart of gold because he does try to stop the theft and he does help the turtles. But also, he's much less threatening to the young male audience that probably envisioned themselves as April's love interest. Yes. Which was hard to do when there was this big, actually manly man, you know, drooling all over her in the first film. And That's vice versa. actually a really good point. I mean, I always took him as kind of the fusion of, of Danny and Casey Jones, but the worst part of both of those characters. Misogyny and the assholeness. Yeah. Yeah. Just overbearing, and I mean, you know, he screams throughout the entire movie, but I can fight, I'm totally worth it, and I can totally fight and kick everyone's butt, and the first thing you see is like, haha, I'm gonna go fight these guys, oh, I may have gotten in over my head, uh, now I'm stuffed in a trash can, and I can't get out, but I can still fight, you know, it's just that overzealous optimism that really has no business being there and since we're yeah and since we're we're, we're ping-ponging between um different parts of the movie right now it doesn't really matter i'm just gonna say that he doesn't change the entire movie like at the end of the movie he's like yeah i could take the shredder no you can't you couldn't take the shredder you you really can't 
Although, it takes all four turtles to take the shredder, and even then, they need Splinter's help. Yeah. Although he does very slowly run through the club, jump onto the stage, and jump kick the uh, ooze out of Shredder's hand at that point when Shredder had literally 10 seconds to react and stop that. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Speed of plot. Uh, Absolutely. Going back to, we talked about this a little bit in the um, the, the new actors and actresses section, uh, talking about uh, April's uh, new characterization. So I want to say, first of all, I didn't like the actress's performance. Second of all, though, I don't think she was given much to work with either. No, no, she wasn't. That's absolutely fair. The, the only, the only thing I got is that April is just the trope of a a plot mover. So plot, important facts are delivered through April O'Neil and she's sort of like their surrogate mom. Right. She takes care of them, but really it was just a game of telephone with her. Oh, tell tell the turtles that Raph was captured. Oh, tell the turtles that my mutants are going to destroy the city, you know? it's an, Oh, I found the scientist and did that work for our for you, you know? Yeah, essentially. And even her cameraman, you know, the usage of him, like there was supposed to be this big reveal throughout, uh, I don't know, I want to say it was maybe halfway through the movie. This movie yeah. has some weird pacing going through it. I kind of feel like maybe there was no continuity editor for this film. Yeah. Especially since, you know, yeah, there's a huge reversal of plot fairly frequently. Yeah. On on that reveal, though, I felt like with, with and maybe it's unfair comparing it to the first one, but it is a sequel. Um, the whole twists and turns that you took with Danny, every single one of them felt appropriate. Whereas right. April's cameraman... When he reveals, he's like, oh, all along I was the Foot Clan. And it almost feels like his head should turn 360 degrees because it's that campy and that mm-hmm. unearned. And, and the Shredder did a lot more, uh, I am going to, you know, put mutants after you again and again. You know, just like like mm-hmm. the reveal. Until you stop me. A cartoon yeah. villain, yeah, uh, stuff. Versus in the first movie, he's just like, okay, let's kill them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so we're going to kill the turtles now. Although, uh... I have to say, uh, Freddy is the cameraman that you're talking about. Thank you. He got a name. At first I was like, why are they giving this guy a name? Oh, it's because he's actually a foot soldier spy. But boy, does he fit to the demographic of the foot clan. Uh, white kid with a bowl cut, essentially. Yep. This is yeah. the whitest ninja clan in the world, yeah. I have to say. Well, maybe that's why they're so incompetent. Well, it could be. Uh, interesting about the Foot Clan, yes, they're incompetent, but I, one of the things I did like about this movie, uh, interesting plot element, was the final test that Kino had to take to get into the Foot Clan. That was awesome. Removing yeah. the bells from the mannequin without a sound under cover of smokescreen. But I, I mean, that's cool. That's cool stuff. But my question is, can any of the Foot Clan do this? I mean, they're yeah. all so bumbling and inept. Like, is has anybody else had to go through this hoop yeah. to get in? This is like a that's a tiny taste, a tiny taste of the first movie's like whole thing about them being stealthy and stuff with Raphael running in. Like, oh yeah, so they still can do it. They're just not mm-hmm. yeah. essentially because they're fighting the heroes and their job is to go down essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see the other character that really bothered me change and he changed more than any of the other turtles was donatello yep of course yeah. it wasn't just the actor it was the material it was uh the personality i could see they were trying to go for more of the whole donatello does machines if you remember the right. lyrics from the song mm-hmm. um so he's the you know the the smart scientist sciencey mm-hmm. guy but they played him up like a 
like a goober. Right, right. You know, like yeah. in the first... Just your mouth-breathing nerd type. Yeah. Yeah, right? He, he was tossing quips in the first movie, and yeah, he had that one thing where he got stuck on a quip, but that was kind of a funny moment. But like him and Michelangelo are like best buds in the first movie and, and just mm-hmm. sort of like quipping together in their fights and stuff like that. Well, even that, that short scene with gone. Casey Jones, you know, where they're going back and forth alphabetically trying to insult each other. Oh, yeah, that that was great. You know, and, and in this one, uh, yes, I do like the concept of Donatello being the brains of the outfit, but to remove... Everything else that made that character what he was 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 kind of like, and yeah, I, I felt like they actually, even though they did more with him, I felt like they did less because of mm-hmm. that. This was a time when being a nerd was not seen as oh you're a smart guy. It was you are socially inept, uh, you know, like I said before, mouth breather. You're not not mm-hmm. a particularly well rounded individual. Going to shove you in the locker, nerd. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's basically what they were relegated to in pop culture. They were the Steve Urkels and the Carltons, which are contemporary of this movie. The Anthony Michael Halls, which brings out a couple of movies that could be done. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so I I didn't like that. And and he did, Donatello had a pretty giant role in this movie. If if anything, I think uh, Donatello was one of the main turtles in this movie. Donatello and Raph, basically. Yeah. And and the the other two were uh behind the scenes. Leonardo wasn't busy leading this time and uh Michelangelo was just comic relief. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh well Donatello's expanded role came from the fact that the plot was very scientifically based. Mm-hmm. There there was the whole the mutagen yeah, mutagenic ooze uh, which introduced another character, who the the scientist whose name totally escapes me. I just remember he's the main bad guy from Time Bandits. If you ever saw that little gem uh, the, back in the eighties, the guy is in so many different movies. As soon as you see him, you're like, "Oh, that guy!" But you will never remember his name or any of the movies he's ever done. It's David Warner, and he played sure, Professor sure. Jordan Perry. Yep. Jordan Perry. And, uh, and yeah, of course, uh, of TGRI, which is Techno Global Research Industries, the mm-hmm. company that made the, the ooze, which I guess they actually, um, they kept that from the comics. Yay. Yeah, there you go. But uh, he basically does all the heavy lifting with figure out figuring out how to stop uh, the two mutated animals that Shredder's using as his main plot point for this film. Uh, Toka and Razar. Raza. Well... If you feel like maybe you said it wrong, you didn't, because every character in this movie has a different pronunciation for those names. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. You know, it's kind of silly. You know, and they, those characters only came about because they did not want to secure the rights for Bebop and Rocksteady. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that might be the case. Yeah, apparently um, Bebop and Rocksteady's rights because was actually um, owned by Playmates, the people who made the Ninja Turtles toys. Mm-hmm. So uh, eventually, later in life, um, Eastman and Laird would get those rights back to do what they want with those characters because they invented them. But um, Bebop and Rocksteady in the cartoons came around because they're like, hey, we want to have them to have some mutated enemies to fight. And so they went with that and then the, you know, it was created by the toy guys to gin up more toy sales, which you know it worked. And then they actually ended up being okay characters. But yeah, Toka and Razar... Um, because they didn't have the rights to Bebop and Rocksteady came into being. And I like the idea that the enemies they were fighting were infants and that the science guy, um, Dr. or Professor Perry, you know, sort of had a hand in making them so they were less threatening, even though they were threatening. That was kind of cool to me. 
Um, and it ends up with one of the best lines in the Turtles movies, in my opinion, you know, babies, yeah, babies. Oh, you know, man. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, the best line in the whole movie. To this day, I still quote that. <laughs> <laughs> Arguable, but sure. Oh, okay, fine. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. by the way, did you guys notice there's a different shredder in this movie, too? Mm-hmm. Do you mean... Guy. Kevin Nash? No, that's Super Shredder. That's, super that's shredder, not human we'll at all. We'll get there. We'll get um, there. No, <laughs> why don't we just different... delete that last bit? Of no, that's fine. No, it's all good. Um, it's just illustrative. But but yeah, some dubious mm-hmm. science happens, and uh, that's basically how the the fight is solved. They use science. Some science. kind of science. And when science doesn't work, they come up with some more science to fix it. Yeah. Um, and, and talking about the whole 90 sensibilities of this fight, simply put, what saved the day? Carbonation science. and burping. And burping, yeah. Oh. The, the character design for Toka and Razar did not seem as lovingly developed or crafted as the Turtles. Uh, and that could be because it was a last minute thing. But they're really very cartoonish uh, creatures. Not really threatening, but definitely dangerous, but not necessarily threatening at all. And yeah. let's see, Razar was, uh, which one is the turtle? Um Probably Razar, because he had all those Razar shape spikes. I'm pretty sure it was Toka. Dang. Because he had the, the, what, was it a fox and a turtle? Uh, Wolf. wolf. Was it a wolf? So, okay, Toka is the wolf, Razar is the turtle. It doesn't matter, except to say that um, (laughs) I just wanted to mention that I thought that um, uh, Razar the turtle was way more possibly threatening looking than than toka because toka couldn't like close his mouth it was like right. a disney wow. world uh <laughs> mascot mascot villain yeah well it's like they took the the voice concept for the baby ninja turtles from the first movie and it's like oh let's just give it to these two characters and call it good mm-hmm. right right so pretty much the whole time the turtles going on or the tortoise whichever snapping turtle uh it was based off you just hear right just make some creature noises yeah like it's worth mentioning those creature noises were made by frank welker the famous uh voice actor who plays basically every animal sound you ever heard in any cartoon yes Mm -hmm. but even so toka and razar it's a little ridiculous that they even have names were played up for laughs just like basically every other element in this movie uh, i i did love there was a callback with the toka and razar um sort of rampage where shredder told them to go have fun in the city they're just knocking over light poles because they're too dumb to do anything else like you know lift cars or mm-hmm. throw them or whatever you know they could do more than that but you know there's an old man and an old lady getting into a taxi cab watching them you know do this and they're like you know should we call the police and uh, or something like that, and uh, now, nah, or what should we do about it? Ah, let them get their own cab. You know, yeah, the right. whole New Yorkers. I've seen everything again. We're you know? treated to another New York City <laughs> citizen moment. There's, uh, there's a couple of those throughout this movie that actually are some of the more memorable things from when I was a kid. Oddly enough, are you talking about the cop thing where when she's interviewing him? this time or between the cop or any other new yorker human you are coming across in this movie it is such a rote stereotype such a base trope for each and every single one of them it's actually kind of enjoyable when you just kind of shut your brain off and run along for the ride yeah that's like it's like a caricature of new york Mm -hmm. yeah 
you mentioned the cop thing. I think you're referring to the line where April's trying to get the police to do something and they're basically being evasive. And she's like, well, I guess you're not the ones who are going to have to save the city then. And he's like, that's what we do best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not save the city. Again, the anchor that holds both movies together yes, is, that's right. is him. Only this mm-hmm. time he's he's the boss. He knows he has a lesser <laughs> April to deal with. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Character change, best thing that could have happened for that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that some of the other the fights were like um, they were all silly. We talked about that earlier, but oh yeah, some of them are just weird too. I mean, I, I thought the lab fight was absolutely dumb, dumb as hell. Oh yeah, like there's like yeah. there's like fifty Foot Clan guys, mm-hmm. and like the turtles should be like having to actually like you know handle them, and Tatsu should be in there in the mix. And they're like a bunch of them are just like standing in the back of the room, arms folded, huh. you're like guarding Tatsu and like, okay, so your guys are possibly going to lose the ooze here. And Tatsu eventually does like take action and get it. But like, but at first but, when he loses it immediately, he looks like he couldn't care less that Shredder's about to give him another disapproving look that made him so mad in the first yeah. movie. Well, and, and even the turtles weren't taking it seriously. Like I know they're out there to have fun, but all of a sudden it's like, wait, no, the stakes are high in this. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the pressure's on. But let's make, uh, you know, football jokes. Now we'll make surfing jokes as I'm on an office chair, which is the... I've done chair dousing. It's dangerous when you're the one on the chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the worst idea. And why aren't the Foot Clan just beating their asses while they're quipping, you know, like here? I no, mean, the first yeah. movie, they, they had to do quips while they're, like, fighting. And this one, they're like, pause, everything. Oh, let's make some jokes and then get back to it. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, this isn't... Uh, amount of foot soldiers that the turtles regularly take apart easily and because this is the point in the plot where the bad guys are supposed to score a victory that just doesn't happen essentially it would make sense if the foot was getting their ass kicked and tatsu came in and like started you know cleaning house or something with the turtles of course because he's supposed to be the experienced one but we've never actually seen him fight well, we saw how quickly he was taken out at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. So maybe he was always all bark and no bite. I do like watching that guy rage, though. I have oh, to yeah. say. I mean, oh, he, my God. He rages so good. Yeah. yeah. God, I love it when he I would rages. love to see, like, I mean, I don't, I don't play, like, League of Legends or those kind of games anymore, but I used to. I would love to see, like, a TMNT, like, League of Legends or something. That would be great. That would be pretty <laughs> sweet. The question is, what universe are you going for? Because if I could get Kang, I'd be all Ooh. over that. Okay, sure, Krang, sure. Krang. Why do I keep calling him Krang? Yeah, in the suit, in the in the nineteen eighty seven. Well, I mean, the brain in the mechanical. Suit. I know this is a big mm-hmm. sidetrack, but you know, yeah, you do something like uh, Marvel Heroes is doing, where forget which universe you're going from. All the turtles universes Everything, are coming together. So yeah. you have like the yeah. black and white turtles, where they all have the same colored headbands, or you have you know different powers anyway okay now we've got our game design 101 in here (laughs) indeed we'll leave that for other podcasts uh (laughs) did you notice that the humor in this movie was basically i mean it centered almost completely around just trying out like one word interjections like you know donatello saying like bossa nova perestroika that kind of thing uh it's just all about the silly little jokes and references to bizarre things like Casablanca or Ralph Nader. Yeah, yeah, that, I noticed that mm-hmm. one too. Perestroika, Frere Jaca. Yeah, Frere Jaca. It's just like, okay, well, obviously these turtles aren't taking anything as seriously as in the last movie, but I don't know what what humor level they were going for here. I mean, again, there's some humor that would alienate children and 
were they supposed uh, to be? What's the joke here? I mean, like perestroika is a serious thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What was that? The uh, Polish freedom movement in in the the Cold War or something like that? Yeah. It's it's the Communist Party reformation. Reformation. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Old Gorby. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, that's a cool thing. But uh, yeah, like kids are not going to laugh at that. Adults are not going to laugh at that. It's not a funny topic. Nope. However, no. this was uh, 1991. If it was before December 20, what, 5th, the Soviet Union was still a thing. Woohoo. So, I mean, much more timely then. Well, uh, I guess if you want to go another deep cut reference to the Soviet Union in this movie... The um, song "Let the Walls Come Down" is on the soundtrack. It's oh, really not okay. a good song, but it's about breaking down the Berlin Wall. Oh. Why it's on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Sue soundtrack? I don't know. Why place to sell is, it? that soundtrack really was based around getting one, maybe two songs out there? Let, let's yeah, be honest. The new Yeah Kid K song, which Yeah Kid K always has a song on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, <laughs> and then also obviously a Vanilla Ice. Get his name out there again. Can we talk Which, about that scene? Oh man, I, th- I think this whole scene needs to be broken down bit by bit because there's so much going on in it that's so random and ridiculous. First, I just want to go on record as saying that this scene where the Ninja Turtles are fighting in a club where Vanilla Ice is performing will probably be the thing about the Ninja Turtles that outlasts everything else about the franchise. This is probably the most important pop cultural moment of any Turtles-related anything. Really? Hands down, it's the biggest celebrity cameo that they got in the entire thing. Corey Feldman may have been it, but he was just doing the voice. So that's one thing. But Vanilla Ice, you know, was, at, and especially at that time, a huge love him or hate him character. Yes, you yes. Know, I've been inadvertently talking about this, the Ninja Turtles to people that I, you know, see at work or talk to otherwise. And I'm just like, what do you remember about the Ninja Turtles? And they always go like, go Ninja, go Ninja, go. You know, they're they're quoting the the Vanilla Ice song. This I is still whip that dance out. It is remembered. Hmm. Go on. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. I, I interrupted you there. But, um, I mean, I still whip that dance out every now and again because I can't dance. So I may as well go for comedy. And that's such an easy, simple, silly dance. And anyone who gets it when I start doing it, just I know I'm going to be friends with them. More things that happen in this scene. They're trying to get Toka and Rajar to demutate fast. They end up fighting the foot in the middle of the dance floor. Of course, the whole song of the ninja rap was like mm, a couple like three minutes long but it ends up being like a seven minute scene when they just keep replaying the song over and over and ice is just up there like dancing the whole time in the background mm-hmm. you know that's it's pretty pretty ridiculous and i think they were going for the whole back to the future thing but in the 90s kind of way when they had the oh, yeah. uh the guy like oh you know who are these extras call the police and then and the other side come back like no wh- why why do you have the police why are you calling the, the police they they love it out yeah. there and yeah. man i work in in the nightclub industry in in the show tech industry and i can tell you right now those promoters still exist it's like how could this no no this is the worst possible thing but then people respond to it it's like no 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 i, I wanted this to happen all along 
Yeah, Let's just leave good. this going. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- these people are obviously aware that they're in a movie because they do not react like they're in any danger whatsoever. Maybe at first, but then, you know, the guy on stage is just like, hey, I could rap to this. And then everybody's all of a sudden dancing while the turtles are break dancing through the foot. Essentially, you know, they're 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 not expending any effort whatsoever in order to take out the bad guys at this point. They're just having fun and. So is everybody else. And then well, the come on. Just... The most obviously fictional part of this is that Vanilla Ice could freestyle an entire right. song about Ninja Turtles. Yes. Talk about suspending your disbelief. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, yeah, and and then, of course, at the end of it, he's like, yeah, I did it. And the turtles are on stage now. I can leave. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this freestyle rap with about the turtles for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. I hope everybody who was involved with this scene on camera felt like a whore because they, come on. <laughs> this is a kids TV show and Vanilla Ice is up there like I'm getting a paycheck, you know? Yeah. And everybody I don't know. It's just I don't know. Well, and then and then we have mentioned before the resolution of that scene being well, at least the fight between Token and Razor are being uh it, like their entire character arc was the payoff is an extended burp joke. Right. You know, yep. so that's campy. You mentioned, you know, Tatsu coming in and just like, oh, I will fight and then getting taken down in two seconds. Right. Shredder comes up gets and smushed by he some gets, shells. yeah, like it's just, there's so many moving parts that are all just whizzing by. You can miss things very easily for these extended moments that are like, what's even happening here? Like you were saying with the lack of a continuity editor, the pacing on that entire bit felt so like they cut away. They're in the sewers with, with, you know, oh, why can't like, this is how forgettable this character's name is. The new kid. Uh, um, Kino. Kino. Like but, slot machine. Yeah. Games. Like the, like yeah. the casino game. But I mean, Kino's down in the sewers talking with Shredder with Splinter. And he's just like, I want to go help him. Well, it's dangerous. You should. Well, I'm going to prove you wrong. Dad. Yeah, so it's like I'm not your dad. What? And somehow, even though this battle's already started, Kino can run out of this sewer and get up to this nightclub, probably miles away. Right. Miles away, <laughs> and the fact that he even knows they're in this nightclub because that wasn't where this fight began. And you know, yeah, like I said, just the pacing on it was so awkward and so suspend your disbelief and convenient. Oh, yeah, yeah, the other thing that that's really different in the tone, I guess, um, uh, of that scene <laughs> is like uh, that people actually thought that some of these were, were like after they see all this stuff, that the people in that scene could suspend their disbelief long enough mm-hmm. or not suspend their disbelief, I guess, because they're like, you know, fighting Toka and Rajar yeah, and then right. like they turn into dogs. Tell me nobody saw that, right? Right, right. It happened off yeah. camera, but people a dog were and a looking. turtle, yeah. Right. yeah. So so then they'd be like, whoa, whoa, there's some dangerous stuff happening. There's a guy that's got razor blades in his whole body that just walks mm-hmm. up on stage. Nobody's like, whoa, shit, what's going on? Well, actually, they're all mic'd, too. You hear that? I paid yeah, my yeah. $30 to go see Vanilla Ice, <clears throat> and uh, now I get a free ninja show that has yeah. nothing to do thematically with anything else going on. But no, no. obviously but even this if they... is part of the show. Even if they thought it was all being staged, it wasn't exciting action at all. It was them (laughs) tripping Toka and Razar and shoving uh, fire extinguishers down their throats. Animal rights activists in the room must have been stunned. Yeah, or, or, well, no animals were harmed. They were just demutated. Yeah, it's true. I'm trying to remember, but I 
for some reason I'm remembering a PETA joke somewhere. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. And then uh, if you come up with it, we should we should put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole theme. I don't know if this movie has a theme. Like the first movie, clearly has the theme where like it's it's a it's sort of the the classic hero's tale, but it's for all four of the turtles where they they go and they're talented. And then their pride gets the best of them. They get their butt handed to them. They have to go away and, you know, sort of learn to be better turtles, you know, meditation and all that jazz at the farmhouse and then come back and save the day as the best version of themselves. Yes. This movie has no arc for the turtles. In fact, I would posit that the movie turtles at the end of TMNT 1 would totally beat the asses of the turtles at the end of TMNT 2. I I think... Like, if you were going to, and this is reaching, but if you were going to assign a theme to this movie, it would be to be content with who and where you are now, you know, to find a way to be happy. Because, like, Donatello throughout the whole movie is just like, I thought there was something more to us. And he's like, does that matter? Mm, That's like the one real emotional moment in this movie when Donnie has the the slight existential, the slight not plot driving uh, existential quandary about him being a mistake essentially or the turtles yeah. not being part of some grand scheme you know it's just like, oops we we radiated the ooze well if you want to go that far it's about making your peace with god oh oh man this is also god. much deeper than what i thought i'm like <laughs> this is just a poorly executed revenge plot essentially <laughs> uh, why why uh why assign any greater value to it than that well and you know as much as like the first movie is about them becoming better heroes and sort of growing up too. The second movie like puts them back into firmly like they're just being teenager ass teenagers. Yeah, right. They're not yeah. like enlightened or anything. They're just teenage mutant ninja turtles. Well, in Raph, after going back to his, you know, from the first movie, it's like, okay, we are a team and we need to be a team. Five minutes into this movie, nah, screw you, I'm running down my own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do what Raph does. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do, I think that is a constant struggle with that character, I think, is the whole um, he's he wants to be Batman, you know, right. like on his own. Um, but it's a theme that's present in some of the other movies, too, I believe, not just the first two. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I did like, I mean, I did like the whole, we talked about Kino joining the Foot Clan already a little bit, but just like that Raph was sneaking around, making sure he was safe in general. Um, mm-hmm. the sort of like Metal Gear Solid sneaking into the Foot Clan base. Yep. Well, that represented a direct disobedience of Splinter's order that Kino wasn't going to be involved oh, in yeah. fighting. Raphael went out and he basically was Kino's Splinter, essentially. Right. Yeah, and that to me, that's where Raphael sort of gets a pass there. Even though, yes, he did learn to to work as a team, he still gets the whole... He's still Raphael, and Raphael always has had that problem forever and will yeah. continue to have that problem. Very developed character for Raphael as opposed to, say, Donatello, who just does machines. Or Michelangelo, <laughs> who's just a walking punchline. A party right. dude? And not usually, <laughs> not usually a good punchline either. Yeah, he his humor in this was definitely not as enchanting as it was in the first one for me. No, and Leonardo was completely like just sidelined. I thought he this was whole movie just one of the soldiers, <laughs> essentially the soldiers who wouldn't drive your uh, draw their weapons. I mean, part of the other thing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in all incarnations is always the constant struggle between Leonardo, like keeping Raphael in the group, mm. and like. 
Raphael just wanting to go out on his own and then realizing it's not a good idea. And so there's always that tension between those two characters, and that nothing was there between these characters at all. Yeah, no. no. Leo as a leader, I think, even flat out said, uh, you know what, forget it. Let him go blow off some steam. Right, right. We don't And care. the other action to that effect was Leonardo calling April again to convey information, saying, tell Raph that I said he's wasting <laughs> our time, or something like that. Yeah. He just butthurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, um, does anybody have any other sort of uh, things, spoilers and things in the movie that we want to talk about? Um, I, I mentioned it before, Kevin Nash. I wasn't a huge wrestling fan at that time, so I had no idea oh. uh, what that meant. Became a fan later in life, and Kevin Nash, I'm surprised he didn't injure himself in the filming of this movie, because that's what that guy does best. But, you know, so, just a chance to bring more people into that audience, I think. Yes, and, and uh, those of you who didn't realize it, Kevin Nash being the super shredder, um, sort of going on his five-minute rampage and... Uh, t- I, I was going to say he did injure himself. He pulled a whole pier of the New York, you know, waterfront <laughs> down on himself. Yeah, but Just that's in the, the movie. the worst he, he talked- concept <laughs> ever. It's like, I will defeat you, Turtles. Now I'm super powerful, so I'll destroy the thing that's supporting the ceiling over my head. Yeah, you would like, think actively chose. I-, I could understand if they gave him some more time, you know, as like a, as that character to be like, oh, the adrenaline is so overflowing, like Hulk style, that he can't really control his emotions, and I think that's what they're trying to go for. Okay. But it, it doesn't yeah. really sell it to me because you know, like he's still like you know talking to them like so be it, not like the Hulk where it's just like oh smash, you know. Right. I mean, who really cares in the five minute front to back? Uh, time that we are treated to the super shredder in this movie who cares why why develop this character i wanted to see an actual boss fight that as a kid i thought that scene was really cool and i thought was expecting more i think i gave it more in my head as a kid than it ended up being now yeah no i i i think i'm i I may be with you on that because i definitely remember the existence of super shredder and because it's only for such a short period of time as a kid it must have been like a wow moment for me because why else would it have stuck in my head all this time yeah and he looked really cool it's like even his spikes and stuff mutated yeah i was gonna say did you notice his armor mutated too well we don't know it's magical radioactive science waste right you know (laughs) why not it it worked for the x-men i guess yeah but uh um, I just, yeah, I, I was expecting a boss fight. Part of that might have came from the Turtles in Time video game, the the second arcade game. Super Shredder is actually the final boss in that one. Oh, I remember okay. that. The the other thing, only other thing that I uh, sort of thought was really uh, was really weird was just the uh, whole thing about uh, pizza everywhere. You know, it started in the beginning of the movie. It's like, why is everybody oh, into pizza yeah, all of a sudden? Oh yeah, the pizza montage. Yeah, and Pete, there's the pizza montage. There's Mikey dropping pizza into the formula to make Toka and Raja not be mutants anymore. There's right. pizza, like every scene, everybody's eating pizza. The the new character is a pizza delivery boy. Yeah, you know, pizza's it, the theme. Pizza's pervasive at this time in the '90s because, like, I remember when I was a kid, Ninja Turtles ate pizza. Pizza was something that the Ninja Turtles ate. The two were just so connected. And, you know, even when you were out eating pizza with your friends, you'd probably do something totally stupid, like high-five each other and be like, Cowabunga, dude, we're about to eat turtle food. I will neither confirm nor deny my involvement in such scenarios. You know, having not seen this movie as much as the first one, 
and then watching it again, that first pizza montage, I, I was thinking, like, this would make more sense having the pizza montage, like, everybody in New York City is eating pizza all the time, mm-hmm. if they had, like, the turtles were recognized heroes and they eat pizza. Like, oh, the turtles eat pizza, so I must eat pizza. And that's kind of what they're trying to put in somebody's mind that's watching it. It's like, oh, the heroic turtles eat pizza, so they must eat, everybody's eating pizza. I, honestly, I feel like a lot of this movie was just pure marketing. Marketing execs got in. It's like, okay, well, we got that Domino sponsorship. This one didn't have anybody. They were they were trying the to first sort one. of. Um, they didn't want to use. They couldn't use the original Ray's Pizza, which Ray's Pizza is a big uh, chain of uh, pizza. Ria's local chain to New York City, so it was Roy's mm-hmm. Pizza. Ah, uh, so okay, that was kind of like a, a throwback to like, yeah, you know, we understand New York. Mm-hmm. Get some Ray's Pizza. I mean, Roy's Pizza Sorry, in Roy. there. Roy, Roy's yeah. Pizza. Um, so there wasn't a particular thing, whereas the first one, yeah, clearly they're like, Domino's paid to have their stuff in there, and Pizza Hut paid to distribute the VHS. Mm-hmm. This one, there were no particular pizza things, but I remember this was, um, the VHSs were, you could get them with Pizza Hut again. They just didn't have anything in the movie. It there was... wasn't any product placement either. They, they tried to stay away from it, whereas the first movie had Pepsi and, and other things like that, too, that, you know, they probably had to get permission to do, and then they just didn't do it because they put it on the year and didn't take any time to, to think about making right, the world realistic. Right. This is really strange for me because I honestly felt like this was was more marketing exec driven because it felt like it was pushing new toys. It felt like it was pushing pizza sales. It felt like it was pushing so many different things. Well, that's just it. It's a commercial for itself, you know? I mean, (laughs) the reason that this movie exists is because they want to sell you something. This movie, merchandise, whatever. I mean, this just kicked off more interest in all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles merchandise that was already available. Right, it was released at the height of Turtle Mania. I mean, 91, 92. Oh, yeah. You know, that's... The the movie really, like, you know, people that weren't into the cartoon series were sold on the first movie and then um, got dragged back to the cartoon series, probably, mm-hmm. uh, because yep. of that. And the other thing is it left open room for them to get, you know, ad deals and things after the fact, because clearly... Um, you know, the first movie showed you can have Domino's in the movie and still sell Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't matter. Pizza is associated with turtles, so whichever one gets it, gets it. You yeah. Know? I mean, that first scene just made me hungry for pizza. I don't care what kind, just pizza. Luckily, I had a pizza in front of me because that's how I do. <laughs> and back in those days, this was before the age of real product placement. I think, it, you know, being a prevalent thing where a movie maker would pay you or sorry, the other way around, a, mo- a advertiser would pay you to put their product in the movie. This was the other way around, where they had to get permission in the first movie from Pepsi to use Pepsi. Mm. They had to get permission from Domino's, although Domino's probably was really wise with the characterization of them and making them mention the 30-minute rule and things like that. Yeah, it was um, a different time. Whereas this movie, like, they were in a shopping mall. I mean, you should have seen shopping mall brands mm-hmm. around there, but they didn't take the time to make that because it was just... Get it out the door. Make sure it's on brand for turtles. Make sure it's kid friendly. That's right. How did they not have a mall Sears scene? The amount no. of fun you could have had in that. Yeah. No kidding. Gotta should have asked Nintendo. I mean, you could look. Oh, Raph's playing Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Guess it just shows what a yeah, hurry I, they were to get it out. That would be hilarious. To actually, see one of the turtles walking around playing Game Boy and just kicking everyone, but just focused on the game. Oh man, that that and that would be that would actually be in character with how much better they're supposed to be than the Foot Clan. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. at that point, it would have been just you know, like you were saying earlier on, that would have just been street thugs who 
somehow know some martial arts. All right, so now we've got all of our big spoilers out of the way. Let's get right to the verdict. Okay, so now we're into the time where we decide if this movie is sacred. Bovinus Sanctorum. Or if this movie needs to be put out to pasture. Bovinus Excommunicado. Each of you have a verdict in mind. Um, let us go a different direction and have mm. Pete go first this time. Oh, you're going to hang me out there like that. <laughs> well... I am going to just say this. This movie is definitely the inferior of the first movie. I think everything that the first movie did well is either absent from or just rehashed in a ham-handed manner in this movie. And everything that I didn't like so much about the second movie... Or the, sorry, the first movie, they just doubled down on it in the second movie. The the silly little humor, the kid-friendly vibe, the, you know, just, just, it, it's not sacred. It's definitely just been cranked out for the purpose of selling toys and, you know, tickets to a movie. And I feel like the only reason you would really want to watch this movie is if you were just watching the Turtles movies one after the other, and this is the one that comes next. Uh, basically, that's what it is. I said it at the beginning of the episode. It feels like a direct-to-video, uh, quick little sequel that they put out there, and I just don't feel like it holds up. So that's that's a not-sacred vote for me. Okay, um, Hiroshi, are you ready? I am. Okay, well, tell us what you think. I may shock you a little bit, but realistically, we all know where I'm going with this. I'll start off by saying, <clears throat> for me, right now, this movie is not sacred. It, it, you know, everything Pete said, I, I'm 100% in agreement with. That being said, if you've got a young kid who's kind of curious about the turtles and wants to see the origins, this is a fun movie to start him off with. And simply put, Go Ninja Go, that whole dance, the vanilla ice dance, that is actually sacred. And that is something <laughs> that I will say is worthy of keeping around. I, I'm happy that that moment happened. I'll agree. I'm happy that that moment is on the Blu-ray in a separate menu function so I can just watch it whenever I want. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I am going to uh, go now. So, um, again, I'm agreeing with both of you guys that uh, all there's all these problems with the movie. Um, thematically, I thought it really doesn't hold a candle to the first movie. The jokes were uh, way more juvenile um, and not that good, frankly. The April O'Neil characterization really pisses me off. Uh, I mean, that's I know I'm being a little harsh, but um, it really does. I was so happy to see how positive of a female character that April O'Neil was in the first movie. And just to have her reduced to also, she's like, also there. And she's also giving the turtles information. She's not getting abducted, I'll give them that. But she's also not strong you know so that really for me is is sort of the nail in the coffin of um of saying i say it's not sacred either 
I really do agree with you, Hiroshi, that if you want to show a kid a movie, especially a younger child, this one's definitely safe. I think that's the intent. Of Although the, the kid is not going to understand the styles or the music at all. There's no. bright colors and stuff it's, moving. Yeah, know? no, it's a lot of flash and trash. Um, and it, 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 it is, as Pete said, the second movie in the series. So if you're watching the series through, as we are, then you really do need to watch this movie, despite the fact that it's not the best. I mean, it is a direct continuation of the plot of this of the first movie, so you're missing something if you don't see it. Right. Yeah. Although not much. No. That is a, another unanimous verdict in the TMNT series. If you remember the score, the first movie, unanimously sacred. The second movie, unanimously not. Bovinus excommunicado. With stipulation With that if you're watching the series, you gotta watch them through. <laughs> and Vanilla Ice. Like I said, you can make friends in a club. If they know that dance, you can trust them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, let's go to final thoughts. All right. So we just finished the ruling on TMNT 2. And now we're going to go on to TMNT 3, Turtles in Time, and TMNT, which is the 2007 movie that is the final movie in this particular Turtles uh, universe, Turtle timeline. Yeah. yeah. So um, those two will be combined into a single episode. So that will be coming in two weeks from when you're hearing this. That said, be prepared, get both movies Watch them both in a row and uh, be prepared for. Make sure they work criticism. in your player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Piracy's bad, also, kids. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we can't keep getting movies if we don't keep paying the people to make them. That's right. Exactly. Although I have to say, it was an interesting viewing experience. <laughs> I'm sure it was. You know what? I think Sacred Cow should take the stance. It's, you know, buy the movie, rent it, do whatever, but then go to YouTube and watch in some language you are not familiar with. It's a good learning yeah. experience. Next time I'm going to try and find the Arabic dub. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> with English subtitles, because, yay, I don't know enough of it yet. It'll be, see, it'll be very interesting if you did that to see how the lip flaps actually move. I mean, if they put the kind of quality that American dubs now have with uh, anime for the most part. Oh, man, the picture quality was so bad I wouldn't have been able to tell. True. <laughs> I mean, it's like eight pixels, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> things were a little blurry. It's not just because I was drinking. <laughs> well, I'm sure that didn't help. <laughs> All right. Well, um, as always... Uh, we would like you to get in touch with us to tell us what you think of the movie, um, what you think of our review of the movie, what you thought of the show in general. Again, um, since the next episode will be another review episode, we won't be doing any feedback where we can showcase what you thought or anything until two, so uh, it'd be a month from the time this airs. Um, but you can get a hold of us on Twitter, as always, at Sacred Cows Pod. That's at Sacred Cows Pod. You can also find us on uh, the web, that's sacredcows.libsyn.com. And we really, really like if you send us a long-form email. It would be uh, sacredcows at heroofthewebcom That's sacredcows at heroofthewebcom And finally, you know, get us those iTunes reviews. We know every podcast under the sun says it all the time. 
but you really need to get those iTunes reviews if you want to, you know, help spread the cow love to the rest of the world. We should think of a different way of referring to that. Uh, maybe that'll <laughs> just be this one time. Okay. And, and, and finally, let's uh, talk about how you can get in touch with all of us individually. So I am on Twitter at White Morph. Hiroshi, where can they find you? I am on Twitter as well, at Maybe Hiroshi, and I just want to say, loving all the support for this podcast that I am seeing from the herd. Guys, please, let's keep pushing this show because it's fantastic, and these guys deserve the recognition. Well, thank you, Thank sir. you so much. <laughs> and maybe if uh, if somebody else wants to start pushing the show, then, uh, you know, Pete could finally decide to get a Twitter account. Man, I don't even know how to use Facebook. You really want that? I don't know. I mean, we... <laughs> We could risk letting disembodied voice guy do it by himself. and Okay, maybe I should get on Twitter. <laughs> I need to brush up on Morse code, though. That's what you use, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't that. remember. That's Telegraph. Never mind. Okay, okay, okay. All right, so um, with that, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We had a great time having you on, Hiroshi. Yep. It's been a blast again, guys. Love working with you. And we'll see you all later from Sacred Cows HQ. Later, dudes.